What's up, everybody? It's Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers. You're listening to the Pacers Podcast. Be sure to follow at Pacers on Twitter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pacers Podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with a bias toward the Indiana Pacers, who are currently sitting in ninth place in the Eastern Conference at 23 and 25. Hate to say I told you so, but... We've had, I think now, seven losses in a row and Halliburton's scheduled to potentially come back in the month of February. The bad news is we've got four more games in the month of January and then uh, chances are Halliburton won't come back right at the very start of Feb. And the question that I have for you, Justin, off the top is how bad is this losing streak going to get? Yeah, it's been bad, Adam. Like you said, we predicted seven losses in a row last week and we were right, but we didn't actually expect it in that fashion. We didn't know Giannis would be out. We didn't expect uh, Jokic to be out. We didn't expect Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton to be out. So you'd think they would have been maybe able to pinch one of those games. But yeah, the seven-game lose streak is alive and kicking. I know they got... Not sure when the... Podcast will be uploaded, but they've got Chicago. We're recording this before the Chicago game. So they're coming off a back-to-back. I think that's a 50-50 game. We might be able to beat Chicago. But, um, look, if they don't beat Chicago, then the schedule only gets tougher because I know Milwaukee and Memphis are back um, on the schedule soon and Giannis and Middleton are back. So, look, you wouldn't want to say this losing streak could get to 10. I know Orlando's thrown in there somewhere. But I'm thinking – I actually think Pace is going to beat Chicago. I'll, I'll give him – Give him some sort of respect there. It's a real flashpoint game for Chicago, just talking about them for a sec, because they've got more talent, more all-star talent than the Pacers do in Vucevic, DeRozan, Levine, and they've got a worse record at 22 and 24. So when you look at Chicago, then Orlando, who were impressive against Boston in beating them as well. So they've had their moments. Jonathan Isaac's back after 900-plus days injured uh, for them. So Chicago, Orlando, Milwaukee, Memphis, and then at the beginning of February, we have the Lakers uh, at home. So uh, Alex, Milwaukee would be 10 losses. The Lakers would be 12. What are you thinking? How how deep is this losing streak going to go? Jeez, I don't know. I don't want to be too depressing on the podcast, but uh, <laughs> it could get to, to over a dozen really. I mean... Yeah, it just doesn't even look like they're in most of these games, right? I mean, Milwaukee, they were in the first half, but it took TJ McConnell making fourth and fourth and three to be in that game. Like the Hawks game they were in. I mean, every other game has been about 20 plus losses. So yeah, it just looks horrible. I mean, if anything, like obviously moral victory is another thing in the NBA, but if anything, this shows you just how good Halliburton is like, He's really the only guy missing. I mean, Miles missed a couple of games, but Halliburton is that good, and everything this Pacers team does runs through him. Um, but, yeah, it, it's definitely rough to watch the Pacers right now. And, Justin, we talked about last week how the Pacers are kind of going to know who they are over the next couple of weeks, and that could determine whether they are indeed buyers or sellers at the trade deadline. I think we're both on the same page here in terms of this Pacers team isn't as good as their record suggests. They've played definitely above uh, where everyone expected them to play and they've probably played above where they would usually play. If you played 100 games, would they go 500 in those games? I don't know. Um, But they've definitely had a really strong start and you can't fault them for the effort that they've uh, applied to the season so far. 
Do you think, though, that seven losses potentially more in a row uh, gives pause to Kevin Pritchard and Rick Carlisle in thinking that this team could make a run at a playing game and a playoff spot? And do you think that changes their thinking at all to say, let's give it one more season of being bad and then let's focus on trying to get good? A hundred percent. I think we used the term last week. It's been a blessing in disguise. And I feel like that's what it has been because the way the paces were going when they were fifth seed, there's no way Pritchard and Chad Buchanan could, could have dealt Buddy and Miles and all that and kind of rebuild the way they were going. It would be like fan suicidal. You just couldn't do it. But now they have a legitimate reason to say, you know, seven losses in a row, we tried to offer Miles an extension. He declined it. I'm just doing hypotheticals here, by the way. Um, so we we have to, you know, reload through this year's draft. And fans will understand that. Whereas if you did that, if we're coming off a seven-game win streak right now, coming into the trade deadline, I don't think anyone's traded. So it's funny how those little moments in an NBA season can determine your long-term future. And that it's happened as a pace is kind of the last five or six years, just small moments like Oladipo, TJ Warren, things like that, which can change the trajectory of seasons to come. So, yeah, I think they are sellers this trade deadline. I'd, I'd be shocked if they kind of bring in someone of like value, like win now mode. Um, but yeah, we'll see. What do you guys think? I can't see them tooling up at the trade deadline to make a run. But I mean, I've I've been wrong before. I hope I'm not wrong this time because I I just think they need one more lottery pick on this team, and then they need to flex flex their salary cap space muscle to try and either get more talent in that's uh, their team doesn't want to pay them the amount that they're being paid, or alternatively overpay guys way more than what they'd get on the open market. I think they've got the opportunity to do that when you've got you know guys like Halliburton on a rookie deal, heading into the last year of his rookie deal, Matherin on a rookie deal, Nemhard on a rookie deal, Neesmith on a rookie deal. Um, you have the opportunity to pair that with guys like McConnell that's on a pretty team-friendly contract and, you know, making what a probably a high first-round pick would make right now. So you've got a really unique opportunity to flex some salary cut muscle and either try and take on some salary or overpay someone obscenely, but for the right reasons. Um, Alex, do you see the Pacers now sort of committing to being a seller at the deadline and being aware of the fact that they've probably don't have the talent and the uh, experience and the pedigree that they hoped that they would have to try and make a good run? Yeah. Well, I mean, to be I think the Miles situation has always been the the biggest swing, right? Like, yeah. if he was going to sign the extension, then they're buyers. If not, then they kind of have to be sellers. Because look, um, you guys know, like we have Miles on the intro. Everyone that listens knows we love Miles, but you you can't lose him for nothing in free agency. So if you're the Pacers, if you're Kevin Pritchard, you have to trade him in the next two weeks. I mean, it has to happen pretty soon. And I look at a team like the Wizards. I mean. They're, they're what they they want to build around Kuzma now, but he's an unrestricted yeah. free agent. So if they lose him for yeah. nothing after they just traded Rui, like what do they do then? So you don't want to be in that situation. And as a small market, you, you can't really afford to gamble with these guys. Um, I mean, there's been some questions about Miles' value. I saw someone today say he's worth two seconds or something. Like, come on, man. <laughs> uh, That's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, uh, you can still get a first round pick, at least in my view, for Miles as an expiring. So Look, I, I think 
as much as we love the first half of the season, they were fun to watch. They have to they have to be realistic about you know two steps back, three steps forward, right? Like they have to be in that mindset again. We're winding down to the trade deadline, so let's go around the room and talk about a trade we'd like to see the Pacers make, and then a trade we probably wouldn't like to see them make. Justin, I'll get you to start. What's the move that you think? Uh, if you woke up to a notification from Shams or Woj saying that the Pacers have traded X for Y, you would be a really happy man. What's a realistic trade that you would appreciate? Oh, I know the bandwagons are all on a certain player from Toronto, so I won't use that <laughs> one. But, um, I haven't really any, any, like, seen any realistic Pacer targets. I'll do something small, seeing as you guys might go a bigger impact player. I actually really like Obi Toppin. I feel like oh, he... you took it. That's oh, you were going to do it, Alex. <laughs> there you go. I feel like he'd be a great fit with Halliburton. We spoke about it on the podcast recently. Um, lobs for days. Lobs for days. Like him coming off the bench or even, you know, a potential starter in the future. I feel like he'd bring more than Isaiah Jackson and Jalen Smith to the team. So, um, yeah, I'd like a little... I mean, we'd love to fleece New York, right? We'll just send him a nice second rounder for Obi Toppin and that would <laughs> make my day. Alex, what about you? Now that uh, Justin's taken your man, so. Oh, God, I don't know. You've left me stranded here, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Look, I'll back up up Justin here instead of going with a new one. I think for me, the biggest thing with Obi Toppin would be buying low, right? Like you wouldn't have to give up a ton of assets. It's kind of what the Lakers did today. You know, Kendrick Nunn, like who cares? Three seconds. Like would the Lakers really care about that? So even if Rui leaves or even if he's not that good, it's a low risk, high reward. And I think Obi would be that guy. And the Pacers are searching for a power forward, right? Like John Collins, Obi Toppin, and now Rui, all power forwards. Yeah. So the Pacers are clearly trying to lock in that four spot. Um, and as, you know, Justin, you kind of touched on this. Jalen Smith is a more natural five. Same with Isaiah. So I think Obi would fit into the starting lineup almost instantly, really. But I mean, I'll, I'll leave it to you, Adam. What about you? Uh, look, you didn't say it, Justin, so I'm going to. OG, I think, is the the move here that I'd love to see made. I think, you know, the the report was that the Raptors are after two uh, picks and at least one player on a team-friendly deal. I think he'd probably cost you the Boston pick, the Cleveland pick, Miles and Chris Duarte uh, to get OG in. I think that would be the, the asking price for Toronto. And if you're Kevin Pritchard uh, and if you're Rick Carlisle, you probably have a really good hard look at that because if you're going to lose miles anyway, if Duarte isn't performing to the level that you want him to and it fills your positional need, then would a team with a Jalen Smith, Isaiah Jackson, centre rotation, OG uh, at power forward and then obviously Buddy, Matherin and Halliburton uh, be better than the incarnation of the team now. I don't know, but the defense wouldn't really take a step back because OG is such a strong defender himself. So you would have a guy that can guard Tatum, Giannis, uh, those sorts of players uh, and do really well against those great perimeter players, all of which are in MVP conversations right now. Durant when he's healthy, LeBron, obviously, Luca. You can deploy OG on those guys and Frankly, with the defensive deficiencies that we've seen in our backcourt of the future, OG is your release valve. You just sick him on the best player on the other team and he can potentially take that player out of the game, which is a huge chess piece to have at your disposal. So 
if Miles uh, wants to go in un- unrestricted free agency, then I think you utilize that contract, utilize your lower first round picks, and you get a guy that has another couple of years left and a guy that uh, has a really strong, definable skill in OG Ananobi. Um, what do you think, Justin? Four NFL teams, two conference championship games, and only a few more shots to win big on the playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Not a new customer, you can feel the conference championship thrills with stepped-up same-game parlays. Take your shot at an even bigger NFL payout and boost your winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. I'm predicting it's going to be San Francisco and Cincinnati in Super Bowl 57. What about you? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the conference championships and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Yeah, I, I know all Pacer fans really want OG and it's just more the asking price. I wouldn't give up too much for him. The package you mentioned with Duarte and a few picks and... Miles sounds okay, um, but if they want the Pacers pick this year, that's when I'd probably no say, nah, yeah, it's, no that's too much um, just for OG. So um, do I do I tell the one I think I would hate to see? Go on. Go on. <laughs> yeah, I thought I was done with this one. I actually thought I was done until the other day when I saw it on Twitter. Uh, I don't know if Alex, you retweeted or commented. I'm not sure, but it came up on my timeline and it was – Again, I just want to say I thought I was done mentioning this player, but Pacer fan said that we should get a trade a first round pick for Eric Gordon, and wow. I nearly wow. threw up because wow. I'm so sick of people wanting Eric Gordon and Pacer. You are going to want to give up a first round pick for Eric Gordon now. He damn near can't even run up and down the court, and we're in <laughs> rebuild mode. It's the worst trade ever. So you told me I saw Gordon Haywood tweet the other day just to I, make things I, better for you. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say Gordon Haywood. I almost choked yeah. on my own saliva when you said Eric Gordon. That's ridiculous. It's okay. I, I saw that one too, but I just thought Eric Gordon topped topped the cake. So Gordon Haywood yes. was mine. I mean, you you cannot tell me that there is a world in which Gordon Haywood would be a good move for the Pacers. He's the wrong side of thirty. He plays about twenty five games a year and misses the remaining with injury and his uh, salary uh, and it's and he makes over 30 million dollars a year it's been four years and we're still talking about gordon haywood on this podcast how is that possible <laughs> uh, can we can we start talking about ricky rubio now at least oh, uh, no please yeah. no <laughs> i think that was our very first episode talking about missing out on ricky rubio and getting malcolm brogdon how excited we were yeah. for brogdon um alex what's what's your please don't do this deal for the paces Honestly, I don't know if I have one that I would absolutely hate, but John Collins is one that I would stay away from. Yeah, I just think that the contract, he hasn't been good the last couple of years. And again, that's just like the most paces move ever of the last few years, yeah. getting that B plus player, B minus player. I mean, yeah. I, and you would have to match salaries, I think, as well. I don't know. We have a lot of cap space, but yeah, I, I just would cringe at that trade, to be honest. I will say one name that I like, though, if the Mavericks want to trade for Miles Turner, Josh Green, I know I'm biased as an Aussie, but he's a guy who who I would like to take it, similar to Obi Toppin a little bit. Like, he's improved his three-point shot a ton, so 
that's a name I thought I'd throw out there because I know the Mavericks fans love Miles Turner and want him on the team. Of course. And, and, you know, I think if Dallas want a guy like that to pair with Christian Wood and Luka Doncic, et cetera, you're going to have to get a first round pick back and Josh Green for me because mm, you're going to yeah, have to yeah, probably yeah. take on Bertan's salary, um, which is longer term and big money, probably the same. I think he makes roughly the same as Miles, but he's got a couple of years remaining. Would I hate that? No, not really. If you've got a future first and Josh Green, is it the best deal out there? I would I would really be surprised if it was, though, um, because surely you can get a probably a better first-round pick because Dallas sort of owe quite a few picks out there. So you'd be getting a really um, potentially protected pick in the future. And if you've got an unprotected like 2028 or 2029, is that worth as much as the Lakers picks that are that were potentially on offer earlier in the year? Probably not because Luke is going to make like half a billion dollars with Dallas over the next 10 years. So um, anytime that you're trading to a team that has a guy that's in his early 20s and is potentially one of the two or three best players in the league, you can't count on the pick being good. So... Um, I, I don't love that deal. Hey, one wrinkle I wanted to talk about was this uh, second round pick that uh, we could potentially get from Houston if it's 31st or 32nd. Did you guys read about this? That if Houston have one of the last worst two records in the league, then we get their second round pick because the pick that we traded uh, in a deal, I forget exactly who it was for. I think it may have been Jalen Smith or it may have been one of those other deals that we've made over the last little bit. Um, it, it, uh, it conveys to us if Houston has one of the worst two leagues, uh, worst two records in the leagues. So that would mean... that post lottery or is it just yeah. record? Uh, that is record. It has to be record, doesn't it? Yeah. It's second Good. round, so it's locked in. So... Cool. Essentially, if Houston are the worst or second worst team in the league, then we not only have the Cleveland pick, not only have the Boston pick, but we also have the Houston second round pick. So we effectively have three picks, probably between 23 and 32. So that's just more assets. And, you know, there's more draft night stuff that you can do with those sorts of picks. We saw the Pacers, you know, select Nemhard with the very first pick of the second round. Those picks are coveted and they have great value. Yeah. Well, you can pay them less than a first-round pick as well, yeah. which is what makes it so valuable. So, but but the thing for me with that is the Pacers have so much flexibility, right? Yeah. I mean, four picks in the top 31. If you want to trade up into the top five or if you want to tra- trade those for a Siakam-level guy, like you can go either way, I think, which is the beauty of it. And that's the great thing about it. I mean, if you if you move off Miles now because you, you know you're going to lose him in a few months, that's a completely defensible move. Um, and really, does it matter where you finish this season? Does it matter where you finish in the standings? Like, does it, are you telling me that getting a 9-10 playing game is a win for the franchise or getting an 8-9 playing game is a win for the franchise? It, it's not. I mean, finish 12th, finish 13th. Doesn't matter. If Halliburton's, you know, injured, rest him more. Make sure that he's ready for next season because that's when it'll actually matter. I could get, you know, getting a few wins here and there to try and boost the confidence of these guys and give you an idea of what it looks like when they play together, which they've done already. They've got 23 wins. They were only supposed to get 23 wins for the entire season. Just what is the point of winning 40 games, winning 38 games and getting the 10 seed? I just, I don't see it. And it's an argument we've had 
under completely different circumstances in previous years. In previous years, it's been this team has a bunch of veterans that are going nowhere. This time, it's this is your last chance before Halliburton and Matherin kind of take the next step into the stratosphere to get a good young player in the draft. So take your chance. Take the chance to get a lottery pick. Take the chance to use your other two picks and potentially a high second round pick to move on to, you know, any number of players that you could get. You get off Miles, you could get Jakob Pertl, you could get Zubac, you could get a number of different centers around the league that I'm sure are gettable for the right price. And I'm sure the Pacers are willing to pay, you know, a low first round pick for Zubac to be their center for the next couple of years. And frankly, you could do worse than that. Um, so I, I just feel like, Alex, it's it's one of those situations where that flexibility can be used in so many different ways to tool up your roster and also tool up your assets to make a big run. Um, we said last week at like a Donovan Mitchell type trade. Yeah, well, that's why I'm also not losing sleep over not getting Hachimura today, right? Like, yeah, yeah the Lakers give up three seconds. That seems like no value, right? But you know, those three seconds might mean the difference between you getting a trade done or not, right? Like, how many times have we seen the Pacers make a move and they just throw in a couple of seconds and it gets you over the line? Yep. Or you throw in one second and it gets you over the line. So, yeah, I think keeping onto those assets is important because when you do want to make that move, which, you know, it might be in two weeks, it might be in a year, whatever, then you can throw in, you know, three seconds or you can throw in the three firsts that we have this year and get a guy like, a Mitchell or a Murray, who's that all-star guy who's requesting a trade. And I mean, you know, you go back to the draft as well, and there's a lot of guys, I don't know how much you guys have, have watched or if you guys have checked the tankathon like me lately, but there's a lot of guys at that power forward spot who are in the lottery of this draft class. So, you know, if the Pacers do end up back in the top 10, they can just address the four spot there as well. Justin, do you believe in addressing that spot through the draft or do, would you prefer to get, your Ananobi or, you know, one of those other guys that's either a power forward of the now or in the case of Obi Toppin, a power forward of the future? Or would you prefer to just kind of get a, you know, 19, 20-year-old guy that's around the same age as Halliburton and Matherin to uh, both get a rookie deal for the next four seasons, but also uh, so that they can grow together? Yeah, it's a really good question. I, I'm kind of on the fence with that. I'd probably rather a proven guy. Um, just because big men take a bit longer to progress. And, you know, although we are building for the future, I think Halliburton and Matherin's timeline, I think the Pacers should aim for to make the playoffs next season. Yep, agree. Yeah, have a four. That takes another three, four years to, you know, develop. That might just be a bit too long for the Pacers to to progress. I I know the Pacers want to do really well next year. They're hosting the All-Star game. They're going to want an All-Star player in that game. I feel like they've set themselves up to be, I hate using the word, but like really competitive that season, hopefully maybe <laughs> fighting for a, a fourth seed around that all-star break next season. So I feel like that's what their kind of aim for is. If I want to predict, I know we've been talking about it. I I don't know if I've said this before or not. I believe in the next two weeks, Miles is gone. Um, this It's too silent right now. Like, you know, a report, wasn't there, that said they had kind of re-engaged on contract extensions from Shams and then nothing after that. It was just exactly. like dead after that. I, I feel like if something hap- if something was going to happen, it, it would already have happened. He would have signed yeah. long-term. We we know he wants to hit free agency, which is fine. I know I'm getting sidetracked here a bit, but I just predict Miles is going to be gone. 
in the next two weeks and the paces is go- are kind of going to be um, back in that, you know, lottery space of, you know, um, 12 to 15. 12 to 14. So I was just checking the standings then. They're like two games ahead of Washington who have the sixth worst record in the league. It's really tight at that, you know, uh, if you ignore Detroit, Charlotte, Houston, and San Antonio, it's super tight for those next like six to 10 spots. Really, really. I can't see us like we're around that like standings of like Golden State, Chicago, Phoenix. I can't see the Pacers finishing with a better record than Golden State. <laughs> Not at all. And look, I can't see us finishing with a better record than the Lakers at this point. Um, I can't see us finishing with a better record than Portland at this point. I feel like those two teams have every motivation to win every single possible game from now until then. The one that is a little shaky is Toronto. I mean, Toronto could go either way. They could choose to try and make a run at a playing game. They could choose to tank uh, they could choose to sell off a lot of their assets. So there's a number of different ways that they could go, but I feel like the the bottom sort of two teams in the West in Houston and San Antonio and the bottom four teams in the East in Detroit, Charlotte, Orlando and Washington are almost set in stone. Um, so that's the, the bottom six records in the league. So the Pacers really have to get an idea of whether they want to be in that sort of top six range. They were obviously the fifth uh, worst record last year and ended up with the six pick. So they could still break into that bottom six, seven well, worst records and give them a really good shot at the first or first couple of picks. Just quickly, Adam, and I don't think any Pacer fans actually thought about this, but yep. and maybe we're going to have to go back and check the stats, but I think we need to go back and check the win-loss record when we do this podcast and when we don't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because as soon as we kicked off, years, it all went to, yeah. Yeah. We, we, we stop. It's the best paces I've ever been. We're like, oh, we missed recording talking about this fun team. We come back and they lose <laughs> seven in a row. Yeah. Yeah. We're the curse. We're sorry, paces fans. We're going to keep Was Halliburton going. injured right after our first episode back? Yeah, I, where he was. I think I think he was just a couple of days after we brought out the the first episode of the year. Um, I, we I'm must be like the jersey though, curse. We're, we're going to have to keep doing it though because we kind of want this team to lose a little <laughs> bit more. So sorry, guys, you're going to have to put up with us a little bit more for the rest of the season, and uh, maybe we're going to have to like rotate out hosts or something next season to try and break the curse if we want them to make the if, playoffs. If we draft Wemby, we'll we'll stick the podcast in the burner. <laughs> Because we'll be all aboard the championship train. All over at that point, and we'll have to travel to Indiana as well. That was the Pacerous for this week. We've got uh, Chicago coming up. Let's hope we can get uh, snap that seven-game losing streak, or maybe we hope we can't snap that seven-game losing streak based on everything that we've just said. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again next week. 